0: Today, we're going to be looking at the biblical Joseph. We're going to be talking about our favorite Christmas movies. We're going to be doing a debate over a very famous Christmas song, and we're going to be doing a special giveaway. That's what we're talking about today on Conversations with the Calvinist, which begins right now. back to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist and today I am joined by my good friend the Muffin Man. He is here, Uncle Rich. Rich, how are you doing today, brother?
1: I'm doing well, Keith. I'm glad to be here and finally getting this thing going.
0: Yep, I know. It's taking a while. We did a little something different with the studio today. My wife has given me a green screen for Christmas. And yes, I know Christmas hasn't come yet, but she gave me a green screen. So we were having a little bit of fun with it today in the home studio. So Richard is is with me, even though if you're watching, you may think this is a Zoom call. It's not. He is within touching distance. I can reach out and touch him, but I won't. So Richard. Thank you. Richard, today we're going to be beginning with a topic that you wanted to discuss because recently you were in a, um, would we call it a Christmas play or was it a, a drama? What what was it? What do you guys call it?
1: It's uh, what's well, called evening into De- evening in December, and it was put on by Amelia Baptist Church, Fernandina, and um, it's kind of a uh, concert slash drama. It begins with. A, um, a concert where you have uh, various songs are sung concerning Christ and the birth of Christ, Christmas songs, and um, various others. I never got to see the concerts. I'm not 100% sure. And then after that, the guides take the uh, groups on a uh, guided tour through a drama about the birth of Christ, which is what I was, which I was a part of, playing Joseph.
0: Gotcha. Now you were you were playing the, the earthly father of Jesus, uh, Joseph, which is what you just said, so I don't know why I had to repeat it. But uh, <laughs> just clarifying for the audience that you were in it, you played the person of Joseph, and you received a question a couple of times throughout, and that was, what all do we know about Joseph? Or am I saying that right? Is that kind of the question so- that you...
1: It wasn't a question necessarily posed to us by like um, anybody else outside of the play, but I happened to walk up while um, Chloe, who who played Mary, along with me. Yeah. Um, while she was talking to, uh, and Phillip. here's
0: a picture of you and Chloe. This is Chloe Whitaker, uh, playing the part of Mary. Yeah. And this is. Uh, uh, the muffin man playing the part <laughs> of joseph the early er, early father <laughs> the earthly father the of earthly father jesus. Of, yes. of
1: jesus yes and at one point i'd happen to walk up while her and uh philomeno doug who's playing gabriel um doug. were uh discussing um kind of you know what do we actually know about joseph and um short conversation because it was between scenes um the way the thing worked out, it was double cast. So there was two Marys, two Josephs, two Gabriels, two, two sets of Shepherds. And we each went off and alternating, went up in alternating um, turns. But between that question got asked. And so I thought, well, that might be something we could cover as part of like a Christmas theme for the, um, for the podcast. Yeah. And what's interesting it. is
0: if you look at this picture really well, you look like Joseph is being played by Garth Brooks. <laughs> I noticed the microphone comes down. Pretty far.
1: Yeah, they had us, they had us, uh, mic'd up this year. Last year, we, uh, we did the same presentation last year. Last year, we were projecting loudly as we could, but the groups were smaller. Yeah. Um, because they were still kind of doing a COVID protocol. And so the groups were 15 or 20. This year, we had groups up in the 50s and 60s. So for those in the back, we wanted to make sure that they could hear. We were mic'd up.
0: I understand. So when people talk about the question of the biblical Joseph, uh, often people want to know more because what we learn in scripture is that the scripture really doesn't tell us a whole lot. Um, It just basically gives us the interaction between Joseph and the angel, uh, where uh, we read that Joseph was going to divorce Mary quietly when he found out she was pregnant, Uh which um, would have been, reasonable in the sense that he would have thought that she had committed a form of adultery because they were already betrothed which was they weren't married but they were in a they were in a committed uh relationship where they were waiting for marriage and they were supposed to be uh obviously uh celibate not not uh not in a, a physical relationship and so when he finds out she's pregnant his assumption is she has Gone outside, which at that point would have still been considered a form of adultery. She's committed adultery, and he doesn't want her to be publicly uh, mistreated or anything for, to, to come of that, which of course could have been led up to even um, death. Yeah, she could have been uh,
1: yeah. stoned to death on her father's doorstep. I mean, yeah.
0: So he. Decides, you know what? I'm just going to divorce her quietly. And when you hear the word divorce, we often think because the word divorce is there, well, they're already married. But it's not. It's because of this this Near Eastern culture of this betrothal period, which would have still entailed a divorce, but would not have been um, would not would not have been a divorce of a marriage. It would have been a divorce of a of a betrothal. And so um, this is this is what we know about him. I wrote down four. Character qualities today, as I was preparing for the thing, we know that he was a godly man mm-hmm. um, we know that he was a protective man because uh of one particular scene in particular where we know he uh he the flight to Egypt when he escaped mm-hmm. to Egypt uh, to protect the, uh, the young Jesus, and also he protects mary he 's wanting to protect Mary even though he feels like he 's been mistreated, even though he feels like he has been um uh, cheated on in one sense, uh, he's protective of her. He's a responsible man. He He understands the his role within the people of God. He understands his role in Israel. He also understands his role as father and as a pretend, as a future husband. and he's a merciful man. He's uh-huh. merciful in that he does not want her to be mistreated. He doesn't want this to result in her uh, being hurt or as you said, uh, even killed. So those are some of the things that we know about Joseph, but outside of that, there's not a lot. I mean, the Bible gives us the instance of Joseph speaking to the angel. We also see Joseph at the point at Jesus's life where he is um, left in the temple.
1: Right. Remember when they went away? And realized later, uh, we ain't got our kid. Yeah. (laughs) And they had to go back. Right
0: and and from what I understand uh, that that often doesn't make sense to people because people how you, how do you how do you not know that you don't have your child um, but from what I understand, the men and women traveled separately, and so what had probably happened was Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph, Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary when they finally came back together at whatever point in the trip, they were like, "Hey uh, uh he's not with you, no nope, he's not with you, and that's a probably the most scary feeling any mm-hmm. parent can have but to the parents of the child who was given to them by God, uh, this might feel even more.
1: <laughs> There's a little more weight uh, to leaving, you know, the Messiah that you were uh, told to, to yeah, raise. Exactly, exactly. This is, <laughs> you've yeah, exactly. You've been given the literal word incarnate, to raise and to rear, and you left him behind. So, yes, um, that would be a problem. Yeah.
0: So like I said, we, we, we have the, the, the pre-birth of Christ. We have the birth of Christ, which obviously we know Joseph is there because they had to go to the city of David, which is Joseph's uh, ancestors. They had to go there to be registered. We read about that in the gospel of Luke. We know about the instance where Joseph is there uh, when Jesus is 12 in the Mm -hmm. temple. After that uh, I can't think of any passage that talks about him. I looked before to see if there's anything past that. Uh and I and I couldn't find anything specific. And again, I don't think that there is any. Were you able to
1: It's just mentioning him in passing, like when they're talking about uh
0: son <clears throat> of the, <throat> Joseph.
1: The son of like reference son of Joseph, it's not the carpenter's son, Joseph, yeah. Joseph's son. They mention him in passing, but nothing of any detail. No. Yeah, it's that's a uh, good
0: point. Yeah, that so so he's he's mentioned as as being relevant right, and mentioned as being uh relative in the sense that this is Jesus's father, that everyone would have seen this man as Jesus's real father. No one knew right. what Mary and Joseph knew. No one knew that Jesus was virgin born, at least at this point, I, except for, you know, Elizabeth maybe would have, would have understood. Elizabeth would have known given yeah. what,
1: given the, given what's in Luke one. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a few shepherds that knew. The sure. wise men yeah. knew. Yeah. And, um, and,
0: and, and, and so when I said no and, one, maybe that was a bit of an overstatement. And, what and I mean you got to kind of
1: think too, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but you got to kind of think as well, uh, why haired want to kill everybody? Kill all the children under two because a king had been born. Word got back to him. So... But do you um, think
0: he knew that it was a virgin born king?
1: I don't think he knew that. Yeah. But he was just... But the point is, word of Jesus's birth had gone out. And, sure. and I mean, is this not the carpenter's son? Uh, so there's Joseph obviously had been seen with Jesus and was caring for Jesus and even teaching Jesus the trade was Jesus was referred to as a carpenter. So, um, yes, there's no doubt that Joseph being, would be considered Jesus's father and yeah. everybody would look at it that way.
0: And I've heard people in our modern context say Jesus or Joseph was Jesus's stepfather. And I, I'm not sure that I, 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 I'm, I and I, I love step parents. I have step parents, you know, right. uh, my, you know, my life has been, you know, when my parents were divorced, when I was young, I step step parents entered into my life. So I don't have a problem with the concept of step parents. I love my step parents, but I don't know that that's the right term. Uh, have you heard people say that?
1: Oh yeah, I've definitely heard that. But it's when when you talk about, I mean, when you talk about Jesus, uh, being the son of God, virgin birth, obviously he's not they, uh, Joseph's literal seed.
0: Yeah, and that's the point that they're <coughs> so trying to they, make.
1: They want to say it's a stepdad situation, right?
0: I I would more look at it as adoptive father, right? And the reason, and here's 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 my, and again, not an argument, but but my point in this is, um, when we think about like my children, I have two children that are adopted and I make a big point to say, these are my real children, even though they weren't my seed, they are legally mine. And that, you know, what's funny is I have a birth certificate for both of my children that has my name on it. I wasn't there when they were born. I have never even visited the places that they were born. Right. One was, I think, Virginia Beach, and, and the other was uh, somewhere else, uh, Fort Walton or whatever. But neither neither place had I been at that point in my life. So it's like, but they're still my children. And, and I think we we know Jesus is the Son of God. That's no doubt. Right. But he's also referred to as, and he would have been probably refer- called Jesus bar Joseph. You know, he was the son of Joseph in an earthly sense.
1: Well, and, and you have to take in two other accounts, too. One— Matthew's lineage of Jesus,
0: yeah,
1: it lists Joseph, yeah. So you have to you you have to be able to say Joseph is his father because it has to track back to the Davidic line,
0: yeah,
1: and that comes through Joseph. Second, I would my thought my mind went to this in Old Testament um, law, if I remember correctly, if a if you had two brothers. And one of the brothers died and he left the wife and children behind. It was the obligation of the brother to then marry that wife, marry mm-hmm. the wife and assume the role of father for his children. Yeah. Would he be considered stepdad or would it be considered in that culture when that man married his brother's wife to care for her as the responsibility of uh, taking responsibility for her and his children, his nephews and nieces, would he be considered father at that point? More than likely, Yes. I Would guess, yeah, yeah, I don't know. because I he's assuming that. that role, yeah, he's stepping out of uncle to now he's going to father these children and raise them as his brother would, as his responsibility to do so. Yeah. So, in that culture, the fact that G- Jesus was under the care of Joseph, Joseph was his father, regardless of seed, yeah.
0: And like I said, I'm not in any way, uh, saying anything negative if somebody uses the term stepfather for Joseph, I- I'm not saying that's. Hundred percent wrong. I'm just saying I see it a little a little bit more right. Uh, 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 legally, earthly, he is his father. Yes, it's it's. Um, we know about the the fact that the seed is from the Holy Spirit is from God, but um, but but everyone else would have saw this man as Jesus's father. Right now, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring out in talking about Joseph is the misrepresentation that i believe exists within roman catholicism mm-hmm. because the last couple of weeks on the show i did ind- independent shows i didn't i didn't have uh, a guest but i did one on the virgin birth where i talked about mary being a virgin and then i did a show on the immaculate conception which is the concept that mary herself was born without sin mm-hmm. because she had to be the sinless bearer of the God man. She had to be the sinless, uh, 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 vessel The immaculate means to be stainless or without stain. And so the idea was she was born without stain. And so my big issue with that is the Bible doesn't teach that it doesn't say anything about that. They, they stretch out the Magnificat, which is Mary's song Mm -hmm. in, um, in the gospel of Luke. They make a big deal about that and they, you know, when the angel calls her blessed, they make a big deal about that and all of these different things. So there's a lot of stress on Mary uh, being this miraculously kept from sin person. But what's not often mentioned is the Roman Catholic view of Joseph, because their view of Joseph is that Joseph had an entirely different family. And they base that on the fact that they have to work in a view of, uh, known as the perpetual virginity of Mary, which is the idea that she remained a virgin before, during, and after the birth. And the way that she remained the virgin during, I talked about this last week, was that Jesus was not born in the natural way. According to Roman Catholicism, he was translated from the womb to the room. He he it was sort of like beam me up, Scotty. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't birthed in a natural sense so that, so not to disturb her virginal integrity, which is a sentence I never thought I would say, uh, you know, (laughs) these are just odd things that are believed. Right. And it was that, that all of us, and you and I had this conversation because you had this conversation with a guy in one of the stores that you, that you service, right. The guy said, well, Joseph had another family. There was another Mary.
1: Yeah. He said there was a different, uh, that when, it's, when, when it talks about, isn't this the carpenter's son and all that uh, stuff? He, he says that's, that's a different Mary. That's not the Mary that's the mother of Jesus. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> grasping at straws, I guess. I don't know where they grab that from, but because I can't, I can't see where they can, where they, where, they, where they make that connection. Where in scriptures does it say Joseph had another family? No, no and again and they don't
0: they don't have to have that because roman catholicism has an equal understanding of the of the of the of the authority of tradition and scripture right therefore you can have tradition here you have scripture here they have this equal authority and the magisterium gets to interpret both mm. and therefore you have the pope and the, the 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 leaders who can say yes of course joseph had another family because we know mary was a perpetual virgin therefore we know i mean th- these are again it's the it's this one leads to another, leads well, to another, leads to another, the, the, and you end up with all this, this belief that's not necessarily biblical. It doesn't have to be because they don't need it to be.
1: Well, am I not mistaken? Doesn't Scripture say, and I don't know which one of the Gospels that says it, but it says that um, Joseph took her as his wife, and he did not know her until after jo- Jesus was born. Well, that, that's, that sentence itself says he did not know her, and, it's, and when it talks about no, it's talking about consummation. Yep. He didn't know her until after Jesus was born. So, yes, she remained a virgin until Jesus was born. But then, after the fact, at some point, Joseph knew Mary. And we'll leave it at that.
0: I actually read, it's interesting that you mentioned, because the word until does seem to indicate that, yeah, he didn't know her until after Jesus was born. But again creative exegesis, right? They'll they come to that and they say well the word until can mean that he knew her after, but it doesn't have to mean that. It can mean that you know he never knew her in that sense and the uh, and so they and again, I'm not giving I, I don't want to try to give their <laughs> argument because I don't want to misrepresent their argument, but essentially they say the word until doesn't have to mean that it by necessity they did know each other after and and so
1: so he made sure that jesus was you know born he made sure that jesus survived herod and all that but then after a couple of years see you i'm gonna be out yeah (laughs) i've got another family you got it good job good on you mary i'll see you later
0: and that leads to another question right and that's the question of well where did joseph go right so is the belief then that joseph just abandoned jesus and mary which I, i can't see that no. based upon the four descriptions, godly, protective, responsible and merciful things that we actually see in the text. Right. Um, there's nothing that would indicate that he would have left uh, or assumed a role as a father in another family. So my my understanding is that he died.
1: And, what, and here's the other thing is it would have been until he was after till Jesus was at least after 12 or 13, 14 years old. Because I forgot it because it went right out of my head. They were they had to go back and get him out of the temple when he was 12. Yep, yep. So Joseph stays with her for 12 years and then decides to leave her and then go to another family yeah. or start a new family? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and again, like I said, we don't hear of Jesus again after that.
1: Joseph again after that. I'm sorry, that. Joseph. Thank you.
0: Right. We don't hear of Joseph again until after, at some point, the, 12, the 12th year. So between 12 and 30, which is when Jesus' ministry begins, we have something happening to Joseph. I don't believe it's abandonment. I don't believe he left. I don't believe he got sick and tired of being the father of the son of God. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think he died. And I think that a reasonable reason to believe that is based on what Jesus says at the cross. When Jesus is looking at Mary Mary, and he's looking at John and he says, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. He is—he's assigning the role of caretaker mm-hmm. to John. Um, there again, Roman Catholics take that passage and run with it because they say this is Mary becoming the mother of the church, and John represents the church. And oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lot of things can be pushed in when you have a preconceived idea. But if we take it clearly on its face, what is it saying? It's saying Mary is a widow, right? And Mary, she needs someone to care for her. That's Right. right. Because in that day, it would have been. Irresponsible of there not to be someone to care for her, uh, for Jesus to assign that, knowing that He's about to die. Right. So, yeah, I think that from a reasonable standpoint, we can say these things about Joseph: that he's godly, he's protective, he's responsible, he's merciful. Um, he's there for most of Jesus' childhood, even into his adolescence. Probably, as you said, taught him the trade. But then, at some point prior to Jesus' thirtieth year, he has passed on. Is no longer with the family, but he has other children that are with Mary. Mm-hmm. They go to Mary, and um, you know they're with her. When in fact, some of them think Jesus is crazy. Mm-hmm. Some of them later become followers of Jesus. We believe Jude was a follower. Uh, was we know he was a, a brother, but he becomes a follower. James, James, same a brother, thing. becomes right. a follower. Wrote those two script, those two books of scripture, Jude and James. But also, adding to that thought. Somebody might say, why did Jesus give Mary to John if Joseph, and this is the, again, the Roman Catholic argument is, well, the reason why he gave her to John is because this is symbolic of she's the mother of the church. No, I think the reason why Jesus gives her to John is because one, John is there, but also because John is a faithful man. And at this point that we know of, the brothers and the uh, other brothers and sisters weren't believers yet. Right. So Jesus is not going to leave his mother in the care of unbelievers.
1: Are in care of people who hate him at yeah. that point in time. Yeah. Right. Or and, possibly did. And, and, right. And so
0: we know that makes sense. John, this is your, you're going to take care of her. And, and, of it's
1: course, the, and then he's referred to as disciple that Jesus loved. So who else would he leave her? Yeah. With? Exactly.
0: Exactly. And the, again, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Right. right. Well, brother, that was my thoughts on Joseph. Uh, you have any additional thoughts before we move on to the next segment?
1: no i mean that's i mean that's really about all we can really say about it unless you just wanted to talk about things that we could argue from silence about you know like stuff we talked about on the in the in the discussion at the uh at the event at the drama was you know when me and gabriel are doing our scene together or me and doug are doing our scene together where gabriel's talking to g talking to joseph you know the gravity of that situation you know he's just found out she's pregnant he's upset he's He's distraught, but he's also probably angry, but he doesn't want harm to come to her. So he decides to divorce her. But then here comes Gabriel to say otherwise. And now he has to either submit to what this angel is telling him and take her anyway, because he is now going to raise the king or, you know, to heck with it and be disobedient, you know, and there's, there's just those things that you can, and that's the, that's the, I guess that's one of the, the beauties of. Being able to do drama is that you can take some liberties as long as you're careful, yeah. Um, of, of conversations that may or may not have happened, but you want to stick within the the biblical framework of what you do know, yeah. And I think uh, I think Peggy, who wrote this script, done a good job of doing that, um, because she didn't take like massive ridiculous liberties, yeah. Um, but I mean, other than that, there's not a whole lot else to say about Joseph, because scripture is very clear cut and dry. After year twelve, he fades away. Um, so you had to just, you had to assume he taught Jesus the trade. So he probably was there till he's at least 17, 18 or so. And, um, after that, he, uh, he kinda, he, he probably died due to the fact that back then people didn't live very long, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't be out of, the, out of the question for a man to, to die in his, in his fifties back then. And I would imagine he was probably somewhere between 40 and 50, 50 and 60 when he died because he was probably and i hate to say it given the time frame he's probably in his 30s when he took betrothal of young mary yeah when you think about it because that's just kind of thing how things were done back then
0: yeah i remember mark lowry saying um yeah we uh uh, uh and we believe that Mary was around, and I, I forget the age, but he said, it, you know, teenage years or whatever. He goes, I learned that in Bible college. I learned a lot of things in Bible college that ain't in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, we don't know how old they are, but yeah. if you took the culture back then, sure. Joseph yeah. was considerably older than Mary. So I wouldn't be surprised that he died well before she would. Yeah, that makes um, sense.
0: So as we move on with the program today, we're going to be giving you our top five Christmas movies and why we love them. And maybe this will be a recommendation. Maybe these would be some movies that you've never seen. And the way we're going to start, we're going to start with number five and we're going to work our way up to number one, the number one Christmas movie. And we'll recommend why we love these movies. And so I'm going to ask uncle rich, uncle rich, go first and give us your number five drum roll, please.
1: (laughs) My number five Christmas movie would be Charlie Brown Christmas.
0: Charlie Brown Christmas.
1: That okay. made my number five. Um, my wife decided to try to guess these yesterday, and she got all five, and including my alternate. I'm like, you've been paying way more attention to this marriage. Wait, okay,
0: so what's your alternate? Because that would we'll call that 5B.
1: My alternate would be the Grinch, the original. original uh, the original Grinch. The original okay, animated so, so, so. Grinch was my alternate. So she guessed it all. I'm like, you're paying way more attention to this marriage than I am. <laughs> 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 but right. And she actually mentioned something I didn't even think about. She said the reason i think you like it so much because you had the charlie brown encyclopedia when you were a kid and oh, i had all okay. the whole thing nice and I, I read them 10 times over but beyond that so i may have just been drawn to charlie brown but beyond that um the, the, the storyline's nice charlie's you know kind of got the christmas blues and um so lucy tells him to to, to to Direct the play, he's supposed to kind of bring him out of the funk. He never gets out of the funk, and the reason he finally gets out of the funk is because that classic spot with Linus where he goes and delivers the scripture. Yep, and he drops the the symbol, symbolism of him dropping the blanket, which you know, his hope's not in the blanket, it's in Christ, and his security's there as well.
0: Did you give him like an exposition,
1: right? And it's and it's just fly <laughs> like the movie, and yeah, okay, and ultimately he, he goes and tells Charlie that's the reason for Christmas. That's and so. It's just, uh, and another fun element about it is that I thought was actually kind of interesting was all the act, all the characters were played by actual children, children mm-hmm. played. So it wasn't grown ups doing voiceovers. These were actual children yeah. that were doing the voices of these characters. So, um, it's just a, it's just a nice little, got us funny elements and it's, it's got scripture in it. You can't, you can't leave that out. It's, it points directly at Christ. And Schultz made sure it was in there. That's what I love about it.
0: I just don't know why this isn't your number one. But okay. All right. So, so number five is Charlie Brown Christmas. Number five for me, Ernest Saves Christmas. I oh. love Ernest. I know. I'm not, I, hey, I ain't saying I, I'm I'm not a big culture guy. I love things that make me laugh. And Ernest P. Worrell oh, makes me laugh. My.
1: That, that one came out of left field for me, but brother.
0: I got an alternate too. I did have an alternate five, and that is a movie called Trapped in Paradise. With Nicolas Cage, Dana Carvey, and, uh, oh, there's a third, oh, man, John Lovitz. Nicolas Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey play three brothers who decide to rob a bank in a small town during Christmas, and they get trapped in this small town called Paradise. And it's the funniest movie. It's it's just, seeing Nicolas Cage go full on Nicolas Cage with John Lovitz as his, like, foil, it's very funny. And so uh, those are th- that's my that's my do- dose number five. Sarah. yeah.
1: I've right. uh, I've never seen that. But um, Paradise
0: is worth <clears throat> worth Christmas. It, 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 there's, uh, a, there's a great well, scene where John Lovett sings, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," <laughs> and the way he sings it has has always been the way I want to sing it. He goes, "Hark <laughs> the Herald Angels Sing, oh,
1: Glory to that."
0: newborn king and he just he just does this random way and it makes me happy every time i hear it so trapped in paradise
1: yeah. you just really love that man child humor don't I you just can't you help it can't okay help so it. number four of you we gotta go a little quicker number four is national lampoon's christmas vacation
0: all right national that goes lampoon's without saying it's christmas just vacation. a classic which i do want to say i want to make it i want because that one's going to come up for me later I know that some of these movies do have language. Yes. So uh, I like to watch them when they're on TV as when they're on TV, they have censoring, you know, like the 24 hours of Christmas vacation or whatever will come up and it'll have censoring, but there's also something called VidAngel, angel. And if you don't know what VidAngel angel is, this is not an advertisement for them. Obviously they're not a sponsor. They could be though. VidAngel, angel reach out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, These are uh, companies that that will censor for you language and things like that. So if you want to enjoy these movies over the holidays, you like these movies, but you find out, like me, when you start showing Christmas Vacation that the first thing that one of the first things is somebody saying a bad word, and you're like, "Oh, kids can't enjoy it." That's a way for you to enjoy it with your kids uh, is to use VidAngel. Right, throwing that out there. Okay, so Christmas Vacation was your number four. My number four, uh, Home Alone. Mm. I mean, again, I like it. I think it's funny. I, I, I I'm I'm a I'm a comedy guy. Obviously, I do comedy on the internet. Right. That's part of my deal. Is I like funny stuff. And uh, the 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 character in that movie that is like he he's he's only in the movie for like five minutes, but the John Candy character <laughs> when he's telling the story about leaving his son at the funeral home.
1: Yes, <laughs> I worked at a
0: funeral home, <laughs> so that just makes me happy. That 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 whole that whole section. So okay, so that's that's my number. Well, there's four.
1: some similarities between our number fours, then, because just you're. It's just kind of your slapstick kind of comedy. There's elements yeah. and lampoons. All
0: um, right, number
1: three. Um, number three for me was a Christmas story. Mine too. Because it's just Which a, I also
0: put edited for language. Right. Because
1: right. The, the kids even I hadn't got some said language. Fudge. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's just classic. It's nostalgic. It's stuff that. And I was thinking about this before I came over here. Is it's kind of sad to think we're a generation or two away from kids not being able to understand what's going on in that movie. No, you know, because our generation, me and me and your generation was probably like the, really the last one to really understand what's going on in that movie. As far as being able to think back to our childhood and relate to what he's doing. Yeah. And getting a BB gun, getting a BB gun, wanting
0: more than anything to like protect your family and with a BB gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was number three. Number two,
1: it's a wonderful life.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And the reason I picked that is because as I'm getting older, I want, I tend to be drawn more to movies that emotionally connect. And the one thing I like about this movie, getting
0: old and soft, got it?
1: (laughs) One thing about this movie, whatever. One thing (laughs) I like about this movie is, you know, the the storyline is, you know, he wishes he's never been born. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of got a Christmas carol element to it because he's being shown what life would be like had he never been born. And uh, an analogy came to my mind of, you know, when you throw a, a pebble in a pond, you know, it makes the initial splash, but then there's ripples that go out for however long. And the, the message behind that movie is that your life is not unimportant. Your life is not inconsequential. Your life has impact. I was reminded of, uh, the, of what um, Russell Crowe's character, uh, Maximus, said in, um, in Gladiator, where they're preparing for battle, and he tells the soldiers that what you do today echoes in an eternity. And there's an element in which that, it's teaching you that you have a life. It is a, and from the Christian perspective, it's a God-given life, and you have an, op- you have an opportunity to have an impact vastly beyond your years. And that's just a, it's just a wonderful message played by Goofy Jimmy Stewart.
0: you're killing me on these with how with how much thought you put into it because my number two
1: here (laughs) we go national
0: lampoon's christmas vacation (laughs) (laughs) it's just not christmas until chevy chase gets whacked in the face by a one (laughs) by 12
1: yes it's not christmas until i see uh um what's his brother's name again can't think of his
0: Oh, you're thinking cousin Cousin Eddie. Cousin
1: Eddie, when cousin Eddie says this side nothing, but this side this gets dented, dented, my part just ain't gonna sit straight. My hair until I see that. Right, that's right. Until I see that, it ain't Christmas. (laughs) That's funny. That's
0: funny. Yeah, I love Christmas Vacation. I actually saw it in the theater, 1989 when it came out. Uh, Went to see Christmas Vacation in the theater, and since then it's been my brother Bobby and I one of our favorite movies of all time. And you know, and quote the whole thing. It's like, it's like, to me, it's like a, a good song. I've heard it so many times I can like sing along. It's just that it's white noise. I just put it on and like, I know it.
1: Right. So, well, yeah. I'm kind of yeah. the same way with the Sandlot. I've watched it yeah. so many times. Yeah. So, And
0: that's the thing too. People say, well, why are you watching a movie you've already seen before? Well, I listen to music I've heard before because I like it. I don't have to enjoy it for the first time to still enjoy it.
1: And there's, and I had the t- I don't know how many times here, because we're, you know, we're green screen, but we're also in Keith's house. But I used to live here. Um how many times? You're saying I don't
0: have a real wall of wood and
1: (laughs) anyway. We might. Yeah. Um we've we've we may have built a whole set. You never know, have you? Anyway. Um next thing is the Avengers. But it was just uh Oh,
0: real quick in the comments, tell which Avenger Rich would be and which Avenger I would be. Oh boy. Okay.
1: I don't even want to know what that's gonna be. Anyway, um (laughs) one of my it was almost like a um, nostalgic feeling when I would kick <laughs> on Christmas vacation, had the fireplace going, and it's just, and it's cold outside, and it's like, hey, we finally reached that time of year where I can watch this and just and enjoy it, enjoy it. So.
0: All right, so I don't have a I don't have a drum roll. Maybe I can pull one up in post-production, but uh we'll do it like a, a Christmas vacation. All right, drum roll, please. Richard's number one Christmas movie of all time is a Christmas Carol. Oh, see, I was gonna ask that. Because that's not mine, but I want to know which one because I have a favorite Christmas carol, which is probably not your favorite, but which one's yours?
1: Well, um the my favorite one would have to be the uh, I think it was done in the 40s. I forget the name of the actor. It's all it's all black and white. It's the, one of the older ones. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't. And it might, I don't know if it was. The, I don't know if it's original, but it's one of the older ones. Yeah. But I also have a second favorite, and that's the one. And maybe it's, it might be the Star Trek nerd in me, but it's the one that Picard. But uh, that Patrick Stewart. Yeah,
0: Patrick Stewart. He's played great.
1: it, and he did an excellent job and that's one of the reasons it draws me to the christmas carol. Um fun fact, I share a birthday with charles dickens. Just to throw that out there. Nice. Um I forgot about that too. Crystal reminded me of that last night. I'm like, really you're paying too much attention to this marriage. Uh, <laughs> but um again what yeah. I was talking about before, I She's
0: an overachiever. Right. And you're not.
1: I'm um <laughs> I'm I'm getting to that point where I'm drawn more toward those kind of performances that Back in when I was a kid, I know you still love it and I'm not sounding like crack on you, but when I was a kid, Ace Ventura and Will Ferrell and that kind of stuff, that man-child humor, I was all about it. But as I've gotten older, it's like, I want I want the actor playing the part to be able to pull me in. And I want to experience it for what it's supposed to be. And that's what A Christmas Carol does. It pulls you in. And then the message of A Christmas Carol, I mean, there's there's uh, just this miserly man who eventually through no <coughs> no intention of his own he's basically forced into it but he finally comes to understand the error of his ways and there's repentance there's forgiveness his family forgives him he he his his employee forgives him he's welcomed in by the community he has a complete change of heart it's 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 a beautiful thing and in, it, in most of the the adaptations i've seen outside like scrooge or something that's supposed to be a comedy it's Always superbly well done. It's just one of those things you can sit down and just really enjoy. And that's why I like it.
0: So. All right, I'm, I'm not going to give my number one yet because I want to give my favorite version of The Christmas Carol.
1: Right. Which didn't make it in
0: here, but maybe should have. And again, you just call me a man child. So I'm going to take it. <laughs> and I'm going to take it strong. Because my favorite <clears throat> version of A Christmas Carol is Mickey's Christmas Carol.
1: That one almost made my list too. Dude, that one's very good. The
0: the part where he's going into the grave and it's fire like hell, and you've got the Pete character from uh, Goofy Movie who's like mm-hmm. playing the demon. Dude, that messed me up as a kid. I was like, this I, is like real like scary. And the tiny Tim in Mickey's Christmas Carol is ridiculously cute. Yes. You know, coming, father. Coming. Chris.
1: I mean, that, dude. I would rank it up there in my top three because well Crystal, well so Crystal asked me So if you got
0: kids and, they, and you want to show them a Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol is incredible.
1: Because Crystal asked me last night, what's your favorite version? And I told you what I said. It yeah. old, one of the older ones and then Patrick Stewart, I said, <laughs> but I had to throw the animated Mickey Christmas Carol in there because that was superbly well done for a, for a cartoon.
0: And then the Ebenezer Scrooge character Scrooge McDuck. becomes Scrooge McDuck. Right. And the and they, an entire show is based on that. Right. You know, so very cool. All right. Well, my number one was your number five was the peanuts Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. And it's okay. not that I enjoy it more than the other ones, but I love the fact that scripture plays such a big important part in it. Right. And I do like to show that to the kids and sort of like you said, you see him drop his blanket, you see these little symbols things. Carl Schultz was, you know, encouraged to take that out, take I know. the scripture portion out, and he wouldn't. And that, I think that's that that says something, you know, to the to the value of what that brings to it. So yeah. So that was that, that was our top 5 each. That's Movies that you guys may have never seen. These are our recommendations. But now we're going to play a game. And this <laughs> game, we got to do, We got to do this kind of quick. But this, this game is a version of the newlywed game with two men who have been married for 20 years. Um, actually, how long have you been married? I've been married 19. Tw- 19 years. I've been married 23 years. So just got a few years on you. We are going to now, our wives, we, te- we texted each other's wives uh, and found out what their three favorite movies are. And we are going to see if we can guess the top three movies of our wives. Richard's uh, wife's name is Crystal. Mm -hmm. And my wife's name is Jennifer. And so we'll start with seeing if you can guess Crystal's top three movies. You get three tries and we'll see how many you nail.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going to say this. Uh, She told me last night that one of them I'm not going to get because one, we've never watched it together. And she don't even know if I know it exists. (laughs) I'm like, well, that's... So, again, she's been paying way more attention in this marriage than I have. So, um, I'm going to – I know I, I, I'm fairly confident, and you can tell me if I'm right, her number one is going to be A Christmas Story. Okay. okay. I got that one. So, at least I got that.
0: Okay.
1: I'm going to go with – my mind wants to go to, like, Miracle on 34th Street.
0: Okay.
1: And maybe a third one – Maybe she likes A Christmas Carol, too. We've watched it together, but I don't think I'm right. So where am I at? All
0: right. You got number one. You right. nailed A Christmas Story. Okay, and good. And she even put in the text, duh, like, like, like that one. You know. <laughs> I
1: better know that one.
0: The next one is Prancer.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd never that- seen that one. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't have got that in a million years.
0: And the third one is The Original Grinch. It was oh, the original grinch so, okay. so that's her top three was christmas story prancer and original grinch all right for my wife let's see
1: okay well hang on i'm gonna tell you this right quick because i got them right here crystal took a shot at guessing jennifer's oh okay and got two out of the three so, so if, you better so if i get them wrong
0: <laughs> your wife knows my wife better than i know my wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. all right so let me all see all right all right number one is going to be Elf.
1: Oh, uh, yes. Because
0: she loves that movie. And we've seen it more times this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. I
1: literally responded to in the text. I said, I just gagged at your I know. One.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> she was texting. I, I was watching her text you and she laughed. And I said, I know why. He, I, know mm-hmm. why I know what just happened. All right. Uh, the second thing, uh, the second movie that she picked, uh, maybe, maybe A Christmas Story. Um, if that may be two or three, cause I know she likes her Christmas story and, um, I don't think she would have put this, but I- I'm going to say she may have put like a Hallmark type Chris. She loves those Hallmark key Christmas. There was one with Dolly Parton mm-hmm. a couple of years ago that, I mean, that one made me cry, but Dolly Parton is a little girl growing up and her daddy gets like caught in a coal mine or something that like, I like <laughs> oh man dolly you know, like, like like so jennifer likes these hallmark style movies but i don't know any of the names of them so i'm just gonna my, i'm gonna i'm gonna place my bets on elf A christmas story and maybe uh the um i'll just say christmas vacation let's see
1: christmas vacation okay well you did better than me you got two out of three i got two out of three okay Elf, of course, number one, puke. Uh, <laughs> anyway.
0: Richard does not like Will Ferrell at all.
1: Except for that one, I can't even remember the name of it, where he played a serious role, the author's reading his life. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, um, her number two is Christmas Vacation. Hey, I got p- You got that one. And this was the one Crystal didn't get either. Number three, uh, Home Alone. She threw Home Alone You know in what?
0: I didn't even think about that, but we do love to watch Home In fact, growing up, my oldest well not my oldest my 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 third daughter or my third child uh said <laughs> all right what's her name she's Keith? one of my children hope <laughs> she, she used to call it home is alone okay said, can we watch home is alone and it was just the cutest way of saying like home is alone right um all right oh that should be the way to win the, the bible they have to tell us how well don't say it now <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay. All right. So since we just finished the Christmas movies, let's talk about the Bible. For those of you who are listening and wondering, yes, I did mention in the the pre-notes of the show that we are giving away a brand new John MacArthur study Bible. It is still in the box. It is a faux leather, so it's not the hardback edition. It's faux leather. It has a maroon stripe with a brown uh, background and this is brand new, never been used, and we will ship it anywhere in the continental United States. Uh, So anybody who is listening to this in the United States who wants to play and win the Bible, here's how you're going to do it. You are going to go to YouTube. If you're listening to this on the podcast, or if you are listening to this maybe on Twitter or something, maybe I've, you know, linked it somewhere, you have to go to YouTube. This, This is we're trying to get some traction on our YouTube page, trying to get some some um, some uh, tr- uh, not traction. What's the word? Traffic over there. So if you would go to our YouTube page, Conversations with a Calvinist, go to the comment section and leave a comment. We want to know your favorite Christmas movie. All right. So and if you put home alone, you have to put home is alone. You have to say <laughs> you have to say it the way hope does. All right, and this shows that you've watched almost you've watched the whole episode cuz we're coming to the end of the episode now. And so by going to this part, if you want to win the John MacArthur Study Bible, brand new John John MacArthur Study Bible, this is the New American Standard Bible version, which is awesome. The original one was in New American Standard Bible version of the John MacArthur Study Bible. If you want to win, you have to go to YouTube You have to leave a comment. The comment has to be your favorite Christmas. Just say, my favorite Christmas movie is this. We're gonna take all of those names between now and Christmas. Everybody who leaves a comment with their favorite Christmas movie, Richard and I are gonna collect all of those names, write them down, put them in a hat, and then after Christmas, this contest ends on Christmas Day. After Christmas, we're going to record ourselves putting those names in a hat, drawing one of those names out of a hat, and you will win, or you have the potential to win, a brand new John MacArthur Study Bible, which I will ship to you absolutely free. So you have uh, a chance to win. Go to youtube.com, go to the comment section, type in your favorite Christmas movie, and we will enter you into the drawing. So there's a lot of people who say that Mary Did You Know is not a great song, even though it's super popular and has been since it came out. So today, Rich and I are going to be doing the world's fastest debate, a two-minute debate on the subject of Is Mary Did You Know a Good Song? Richard is taking the negative. He does not believe it's a good song. I am taking the positive. And since I'm taking the positive, I have the benefit of going first. So I get 30 seconds on the clock to discuss why I believe Mary Did You Know is a good song. And go. Mark Lowry wrote the song after musing regarding the full scope of Mary's knowledge regarding Jesus. He wasn't saying that she knew nothing, which a lot of people think. He was just commenting on whether the Bible tells us what she did know and explicitly how much she understood. Did she really know the child was going to be God incarnate? Did she really understand that miracles would flow from his hands? Did she really know that the creator of all creation was actually entering into his creation? And the best part of the song is that Roman Catholicism is attacked by it when he says your deliverer will deliver you. All right, so that was my 30 seconds, and that went by fast. So now I take the, 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 the countdown. Richard gives 30 seconds of arguments as to why Mary Did You Know is not a good song. And go.
1: Based upon Luke 1, 26 through 56, we have the recorded account of Mary's conversation with Gabriel about Jesus and how her child is the Messiah, the son of the Most High, and is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Then we have our conversation with Elizabeth, where Elizabeth says of Mary's child, how has it happened that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And followed by Mary's Magnificat. So the reason I would say that this song is lacking boils down to two words, Keith, and that is Mary knew
0: very new oh well that's good that was within 30 seconds that was actually really good all right so now each of us is going to have a 15 second rebuttal actually we'll get 20 seconds we'll do a 20 second rebuttal and um uh you can let me know when to start and give me that countdown i like that you give me that that three second or five second countdown like you did before that was good
1: all right your rebuttal starts now Your
0: argument is that Mary knew. No one's saying Mary didn't know. We're asking the question of what she knew. And the musing of the song is not saying she didn't know. It's saying, did she know all of these things? And asking that question does not indicate that she didn't. It just simply is asking, what did she know? And that's not a problem.
1: Okay. (laughs)
0: And this is fun. World's fastest debate and 20 seconds go
1: the way the song is written and the way it's sung mary did you know that your baby boy would do this that your baby boy would do that and some of the things that it mentions is actually mentioned in scripture when you kiss the face of your child you know you kiss the face of god these are all things that she would have known and it's asking the question in a manner that suggests that she didn't really know that's the part i'm getting
0: sorry i didn't didn't give you the countdown my bad
1: that was 20 seconds that was was good though
0: all right, so now we're going to end with this question for the audience. Now, this is going to be in the in the in the um, podcast. You'll get the whole amount, but on the two second or the, or the the two minute video, you're only going to get this little snippet. So let me say this: What are your thoughts? Do you think "Mary Did You Know" is a good song? If so, leave your uh, reasoning in the comments below. So that'll be for,
1: and you that's know. and that's cool. And I w- and let me say this: Outside of the question "Mary Did You Know," the lyrics are powerful. Yeah, I'll give you that.
0: It proclaims the the deity of Christ, and and that's why I think I don't I I don't think it deserves the hate it gets. Oh no, I listened to it last night. Yeah, that's my point. (laughs) I think a lot of people, uh, and again, I'm giving up some reform street cred here because it seems to be popular among reformed people. Oh, we got to hate on everything, right? Right. And so a lot of you know a lot of reform guys. Oh, of course Mary knew. And my only question is, well, what did she know? How much you know? What all did she know? And again, it I. I think Mark Lowry was intending to, to in an in a, in a artistic way, express many truths about Christ. So, and again, not, right. not continuing the debate. I'm just saying.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there that, listen, I'm, I argue from the point of, you know, she knew. Yeah. And that's, that's the flaw with the song. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, she knew. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Gabriel told her.
0: And again, Roman Catholics hate this song.
1: Oh, I I don't doubt it. (laughs) Because they say, because
0: it says this child you've delivered will soon deliver Deliver you. you. And I don't want to say all Roman Catholics because that's paint with a broad brush. I have read Roman Catholic leaders who have said that this song is flawed because of that.
1: What you can say is any Catholic holds to the fact that they think Mary is sinless. That verse is going to aggravate them. That's going to bristle them. Absolutely. So, but again, as far as the song itself, like you said, it is a clear demonstration of the deity of Christ and it's powerful and it's. Especially if you list a pentatonics seen it sing it. Yeah. Pentatonics will blow your hair back. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well,
0: brother, that was all we had for today. I'm looking forward to seeing how many people respond and how many people try to come after that Bible giveaway. <laughs> so don't forget, if you want to be part of the Bible giveaway, go to YouTube and leave a comment with your favorite Christmas movie. Brother Rich, Uncle Rich, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for giving one last go before the end of the, issue, the year. This will probably be our last podcast before the end of the year. Thank you for being here today, brother.
1: You're welcome, man. It's always a pleasure and happy to do it. Yep.
0: And I want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. God bless you. We hope you enjoy the celebration of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you. I'm Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist.